Expounded Universe, Season 23, Episode 8, Jabbatha Hutt. The book, Rogue Planet, by Greg Bear. The year, 2000. Chapters 29 through 32, with your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go! Hello and welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars novel discussion podcast where I'm Jeff and where that's John and where we can finally be ourselves. Finally, I can let my hair down and really cut loose, really figure out who I am. Yeah, that's right. We can we can just experiment in the sonic landscape and kind of do do uh, whatever dances and steps come to mind. You know what? Yeah. I've got the prerogative to have a little fun. <laughs> Well, that don't impress me much. <laughs> uh, wild. <laughs> and a little strange. So, uh, so how are you? I'm doing great. That's, I'm, that's gratifying. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Uh, we are happily working on an- another book project. Yeah. We've been over here for the past. You mostly did the work while I was watching my, my daughter. Uh, that's what I love to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that's right. You're the breadwinner. I love to I, I support the, the family. Child. Yeah. <laughs> I stay home and watch. You know, it's a, it's a kind of job. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, you can get me a beer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, I do really like that song. I was always excited when Where Have All the Cowboys Gone came on back when I was, I used to work as a lifeguard at a Jewish community center pool. Mm-hmm. That was my first lifeguarding job. I had several. Um and they would have the radio station hard-coded to San Diego's own Q106, which nowadays is just another clear channel Jack FM Yeah, it's station. just the exact same shit everywhere. Yeah, but back then it was the soft stuff station. Oh, hell yeah. But, but, but soft, like, in a very weird way. Like, it wasn't like a bunch of Luther Vandross or... Just, or this radio station's really pushing rope. Yeah, it wasn't like a lot of Lorena McKay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, thank you. <laughs> You're thank welcome. You. You're very good. Yep. But rather it was like... Ace of Base and and uh, you know that 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 kind of, say you'll always love me forever. So like building a mystery, yeah, exactly that kind of stuff. Okay. So it was just that all day long, and I would be excited when either Ace of Base because that fucking rocked, yeah, uh, or Where Have All the Cowboys Gone would come on because I really liked that. I'll be in the kitchen. You go have a beer. Yeah, I just love that dis- defeated, disappointed ass <laughs> line. Paula Cole, man, Paula Cole, straight up great. <laughs> Expounded universe approved. <laughs> Finally, people can settle that debate. Put it on the t- uh, cover of the next Paula Cole album. <laughs> Put that review on there. We haven't listened to the album, but, you know, thumbs up from us. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, uh, we are about to discuss some more chapters of good old Rogue Planet, a sort of weird cast-off book in the Star Wars universe that exists before they wrote Attack of the Clones. Yeah, a weird a weird timeline book. I yeah. love books like this, the stuff that happened in between like the movies of the original trilogy. Just anytime someone is allowed to fill in the blanks. Yes. And then later they're like, no. Yeah, because we didn't quite get that from things like, you know, the Lando trilogy that we went through is technically written between episodes uh two and or five and six. Five and six. Episodes yeah. five and six, but that doesn't really matter because it's all prequel stuff. Yeah, there's not anything you're going to learn that's going to affect how he suddenly is a guard in Jabba's palace at the start of Return of the Jedi. Uh, But this, on the other hand, is kind of moving the story forward, fully aware that it'll just be wrong later. Yep. Just barreling forward with the project. Someone just going like, hey, man, you got to write a story that takes place in these years. And you're like, can I look at what the movie script is? No, you definitely can't. Good Lord, no. (laughs) Oh, Hell no. How many times does the script say Darth Icky in it? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the problem with it. That's why you can't see these Lucas scripts in advance. Uh, <laughs> Darth like, Icky? As far as I know. The fuck is this? Ah, uh, real monsters? <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lucas did famously write all of the episodes of Ah, Real Monsters. Yeah, yeah, that's why you also encounter Jedi Master the Gromble. Because <laughs> that, that in my head is perfect. <laughs> uh,. What a fucking niche-ass joke. <laughs> well, that's a joke for a couple of you out there. Good job. You got it. <laughs> Congrats on being Gen X. 
Uh, what else was I going to say there? There's only other, one other book I can think of that really fits this description, and that's Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which was written in like 1978. Yeah. Uh, so, so anyway, when last we left our heroes, mm-hmm. they were leaving defeated, uh, feeling defeated anyway, from the palace or big weird stone home of the famed Magister of Zonamasakat, who turned out to be this weird sort of vaguely patterned after a tech billionaire kind of guy because he's all just dressed in simple clothes and living a simple life, but he's also in like the richest house in the world. Yeah, the kind of person who's like, I like to live a simple Spartan life. Also, I have a like 10,000 acre ranch Mm -hmm. and the biggest house you've ever seen in the middle of a volcano. And my only companions are the multiple holograms of my youngest daughter that I keep around. Yeah, well, I mean, these aren't holograms. These were very specifically Mental mental projections. Yes, that's true. And we get that reassured for us throughout the course of these chapters. Yes. But so we had the the two of them meeting the Magister, which went ridiculously because it was all just bullshit smoke, smoke and mirrors. Yeah, it was all artifice. Uh, so they went and met with Mysterio, apparently. Mm-hmm. They met with Rey Mysterio. <laughs> they got Hurricane Ronad. <laughs> Off the top rope. <laughs> uh, and then, of course... Uh, they also had their little seed ball friends kind of hatch. So you have yeah. a bunch of now instead of just being little weird spike balls, they're like kind of fluffy spike like, like tribbles a, with stabby bits on the bottom. Yeah, they're like a weird mix between like crabs and sheep and oysters. Yeah. They're they are a weird concept. I like them. I, conceptually, I think they're great. They're a great way to insert just a little bit of weird, cute, kind yeah. of like the porgs or whatever. Yeah, being the it's essentially just like what is this? It is a ball of weird white fluff with two black eyes in the front. Just these two little like cartoon dots for eyes, mm-hmm. and then three little stabby kind of claw bits on the bottom that they walk around with. Yeah, big ball of white fluff with two tiny dead black eyes. And up until you started to describe the uh, tripod leg situation, I thought you were talking about George R.R. Martin. Hey! Whoa! Put it up on the board of George R.R. Martin insults! (laughs) That's right. We gotta quickly build that board, because I've never (laughs) insulted him before. (laughs) Uh, And then they also met with Shopafar's the ship designer, which is where we had left off with them mm-hmm. last time, they have more balls than anyone has ever had. And so Shapa, the ship designer, is super excited about what they might be able to build with a bunch of balls. Yeah, he wants to head on down to their factory and dip their balls in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, meanwhile, Sinar mostly just sort of generically whined about his situation and continued to do the things he had already been doing. It wasn't it wasn't a good Sinar chapter. Yeah, Sinar continues to scheme and be like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my bits, and no one'll, no one'll know what I'm doing." Yeah, it feels like they're even through this ch- set of chapters. It feels like they're still wheel spinning on the Wraith Sinar stuff. And I'm like, "Come on, when are we going to get to the Sinar factory that we left in the first two chapters? Can we go to a new Sinar factory?" No, I'm disappointed. Yeah. Uh, okay, so at the beginning of these chapters, where are we? Yeah, this is a new format. In this format, I forgot the first chapter, so I ask you questions. Where in the world are we? (laughs) What has possibly happened? What did I read? Uh, I believe the first chapter starts with us in a gondola, in the the black and red ship that Gan was so sad that they had to get a slightly larger than normal version of their ceremony ship. Yes. Uh, But they've got all their balls with them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. They are family. <laughs> All of their balls in them. <laughs> and uh, they're going through sort of an untamed area of Zonama. The The seacoat here is like the rebel version of what's going on. They've yeah. got a bunch of like wildlife and they're also going through like heavy, weird, like mist and cloud cover. So it's very damp. Yeah. But all of this that's going on, Anakin is fucking loving. He is straight up like pirate one leg up, standing at the prow of the ship, just like, ah, adventure. <laughs> Yar. I see, see all the appeal of this, Captain Hook. <laughs> Run home, Jack. <laughs> so uh, we got... 
Gans is still, or Gan is still with them. That's the dude who's like the guy in charge of the middle distance township, as opposed yeah. to the magister who's like in charge of the planet. And he is also watching from the front deck and then whirls around at one point after unsealing his hands from the deck to be like, I'm impressed by this Anakin fellow. He's so interested in what's going on. And he's got more balls than anyone I've ever seen. <laughs> There's so many balls here. Yeah. Have you seen the cojones on this guy? And, uh, you know, Obi-Wan's like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's real great. Very exciting. But then we get introduced to a new character. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're having fun looking at the wildlife doing that. And then in comes a young woman and Obi-Wan is the first one to see her and is like, oh, holy shit. That looks exactly like what the Magister said his daughter looks like. Yes, the projections of his daughter that were wandering around and the, that we weren't supposed to know were projections. Uh, that's what They look like that. Yeah. And he did mention he had sent off his like youngest daughter and son for educational training, or maybe eldest daughter and son. I forget which way it was. I don't know. But he had sent off his one daughter and son to middle distance for education. Yeah. And so I, apparently here she is. And sure enough, she's like, hi, yeah, I am the, uh, the daughter of the Magister. It is my role to teach... Anakin, for whatever reason, I assume there is a point well, where yeah, she asks she's which like, one oh, of you will be the pilot. Yeah, who's going to actually pilot this thing? Because there can only be one. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to cut the other one's head off and then get the quickening. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, ultimately kind of happens. Kind of. Yeah. Almost. Eventually, Anakin will kill Obi-Wan and, and get his powers. I don't know if he cuts his head off. He more like just lets him ghost. <laughs> but but anyway. Just let him ghost. Just let him ghost. Let him ghost. <laughs> If it eases all their pain, wow, very let them ghost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very different, but also appreciated. Yeah. Um, so after establishing that Anakin will be the ship pilot, which is something Obi-Wan volunteers immediately because he's like, ah, it's the kid. He's a better pilot. He's better at everything. I'm also, tired of this. If I try and make it so that he isn't the pilot, I'm pretty sure he'll turn dark side right now. He'll just be like, oh no, I'll kill you for this. This is what I want. This is literally the only thing I want as a spaceship and to fly a spaceship that is my spaceship. I've always wondered why he doesn't just go like, it'll be both of us. Oh, we're going to build one 12 ball ship and one three ball ship. And why can't you just do that? Or even just go like, you know what? We'll have like a six ball and a seven ball. Mm -hmm. Just give us two medium ships. We'll trade in two, two of the extra balls because right now they add to 15 and then we'll get a seven and a six. And you can have the other two. Now, the other two balls are for what gonna, have you. We're going to use those two balls for a special project mm. that'll help us later. They're going to they're gonna definitely not just hang off the back of one of the ships. <laughs> um, but yeah, once upon learning that Anakin will be the pilot, uh, this girl goes over and is like, Hi, I'm here to teach you about the Boras. I'm Jabatha. <laughs> yeah, because Anakin's like, Oh, hey, I know you. You're wind. And she's like, God damn it. I'm fucking my dad. My, my dad... He, that's one of his little jokes. I would love and then an explanation. doesn't explain yeah. what the joke is. Right? <laughs> oh, one of his little jokes. He calls me a wrong name. Yeah, he calls me Wind. And, he, and it's got something to do with how he's making fun of Jedi. I don't know how or why. Yeah, no idea what that's about. But yeah, she's just like, oh, I'm sorry. My name isn't Wind. That would be ridiculous. What a silly joke. My name is Jabatha. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you want to run me past Jabatha again? We in my in our fucking show that we do live that we've been doing across the country all this year. The uh, the trivia show that we run in support of our books. One of my questions has one a joke answer in it, a, an answer that's designed to never get picked because I want the questions to be relatively easy so people get the prizes. The answer is backstabatha. Yep. And I'm like, I was wasting syllables. I could have just gone with Jabatha. <laughs> Oh, Jabatha. Oh, God, I love, I love Jabatha. As a name, every time I was reading these chapters, it would get to, and then Jabatha said, and I would just stop, and my eyes would, like, refuse to move on. I'm like, no, I, I didn't read that right. That's not correct. Her name's just Jane. <laughs> no, no, this isn't, no, mm -hmm. stop it. <laughs> I'm Jabatha, a normal name that no one would ever make fun of. And Anakin's like, yep, moving on. Yep, sure thing. And she is just like, oh, yeah, you you met the holograms. My dad likes to use holograms of me to do things. So that's why you think you've met me. And in my favorite th bit of business that we get throughout this set of chapters, anything with Jab or Jabatha, God, I, I yep. almost stopped and corrected myself because like that it's got to be. <laughs> oh, Jabatha. I no, mean, I'm be, sorry, not be that. Tabitha, right? It's not Jabatha, right? It's not Jabatha. No, it is. It's Jabatha. <laughs> 
any any chapter with these three characters, Obi-Wan is relentlessly correcting her. Yeah. And it's awesome. I love it. Because she's like, oh, yes. And my father, of course, uses holograms. And he's just like, no. No, those weren't holograms. Those were some kind of mental projections. And she's like, she's like whirls angrily at him, but doesn't say anything. She's just like, mm. she's like, yes, that must have been my father then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, every time that she tries to float some unfounded theory that they already know is wrong, Obi-Wan will immediately go, uh, no, we know that's not true. And, <laughs> I, I'm not going to keep anything close to the the vest here. I'm just going to go ahead and completely th- ruin your shit look, anytime I'm, you try. <laughs> I'm one more fucking boat ride away from dialing out entirely. <laughs> <laughs> Ruining your day is literally the only thing keeping me in it right now. <laughs> look, I got dragged here by my ridiculously better than me apprentice i am not gonna play by the rules i hate this planet i hate it the trip it took to get here and i hate being here yeah and watching him just aggressively and angrily correct a 12 year old girl over and over again is so great (laughs) god now she uh as jeff mentioned is there to give the information on what exactly is going on which seems weird that she'd be like, hi, you're about to have a ship made for you that you designed and whatnot. Uh, but I need to explain how our ecology works. Yeah. She's not talking for some about, reason. It, she's not, she's basically just giving them like the wildlife guided tour. She's like, Oh, uh, you're on an alien planet and we've hinted that things are weird. I've got to start filling in some of these blanks or else the exposition is all going to come at once. Yeah, she's going. She's, she's just looking over the side of the ship, like this airship, and just doing fucking David Attenborough shit, where she's just like, many of the animals on this planet are actually mobile versions of boras. <laughs> boras, of course, are the main animal here, mm. and I fucking hate them. <laughs> Can't stand them. Stupid ass shit. 90% of all bora hunts end in failure. That bora will go home disappointed tonight. <laughs> the tree will not eat this evening. <laughs> So, Boras, it turns out, uh, which absolutely love, is just the pharaoh term for tree, so it is just fucking trees. Yeah, and we learn, like, sapachi or something, which is the, the feral ter- pharaohan term for forest as well, but they don't use it because the world isn't a forest because none of this shit is trees. It's just useful, sh- sapachi, whatever it is. No, it's, it's, it's like tra- ter- terrapin or some shit that yeah, sounds like that. It, it's just some useful shorthand she's... But it's not necessarily the war- trees. Boras are just any individual thing that lives on the in Sakat. So I mean, it is, I believe, technically just Tampasi. By the way, Tampasi. Yeah. Okay. For forest. But no, it. She says like those are the rogue boras, and she's describing like animal things that are mobile and fly around. Uh, so so we're. I think we're establishing that literally anything that is a living thing that you can pull off of another thing and put it back if you want to, and it will be alive for the whole process, is a bora or a boras. I don't know if that's a plural or not. I think it's probably plural. So, so uh, I, yeah, the, the weird thing here is she's like, okay, so boras have these little seed things, and the stuff that you got are just normal bora seeds. Yeah, that's like, what they all look like. Whatever they become later, they all start out this way, and then the boras themselves make, like, little seed nurseries where they dump a bunch of, like, leaves and branches and... Special pellets. And just, you know, dumps. Mm-hmm. You know, when when the planet takes a dump, yeah. it takes a dump into the nursery. Yeah, that's what we call well, New Just Jersey. like I do. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, they bring... This whole, like, compost heap into the middle of an area, cover all the fucking seeds and shit with that, and then after a couple days, they light that bitch on fire. Yeah, they, like, they like let the seeds roll around in the in the compost heap, getting bigger and bigger and basically catamarying their way into, into bigness. And then there are some boras that have special branches that are, like, iron-tipped, yeah. and they raise their hands to the sky. And, and they we- can make it like lightning yes it's not just like oh they've got some tips and hope lightning comes they straight up are like oh yeah the boars can then lift their weird iron tip leaves to the sky cause a lightning yeah and then funnel that lightning into the compost heap and set it on fire yeah they can fucking cause lightning to crash which generates a new mother cries (laughs) 
and an old mother dies. Uh huh. So anyway, everything is just song it's, jokes. It's just fucking 90s songs here today. I'm sorry. <laughs> and every episode. <laughs> it's, it's every episode we with lean us. lean on it way too much. <laughs> I don't care. Because <laughs> I'll lean on those when I'm not strong. <laughs> At least that's an older song. <laughs> At least. <laughs> but, uh, but I was going to clear it. <laughs> Um, hey, at least that's a Star Wars reference. <laughs> so yeah, they basically they they uh, and then once the seeds get struck by lightning, they expand. It's basically describing a real natural earth process, which is once you you burn. There are a lot of forests where the seed pods rely on forest fires to germinate and grow into new trees. Yeah, because uh, otherwise you wouldn't need new trees. Uh, fire would produce a new requirement for growth. So a lot of seeds end up fallow unless there happens to be a fire that season. So it's like the forest just took over the random chance of lightning strikes and just does it itself. Yes. Then these big seeds become, they're, you know, they're basically the potentium that we've mentioned earlier. They get shaped by various other boras, which are specially grown to shape things. Some of them are like prods and some of them are like shovels or spades. And they shape everything they they that grows out of these seeds into whatever it is that they need. Yeah. So sometimes it'll be like, oh, we're just going to turn you into another big tree thing. Yeah. But other times they're like, no, we're just going to make you into whatever we need for the planet. Yeah. So the boras are just whatever the fuck on here. But the area that they are currently traveling through has rogue boras where we essentially have Seacott is a like sort of hive mind or at least a like connected community of these boras and they all work together but occasionally some of them break off and don't work for the rest of the community anymore yeah they form a subreddit <laughs> yep and they're all very predatory now uh-huh and horrible <laughs> just the worst yeah and that's the sort of thing that they're seeing when they look out of the gondola now he's like oh this seems much more like every other planet I'm on because instead of everything just sort of naturally symbiotically working for the goal of everything, it's like, oh, some of these are just preying on other bits and eating them and you don't have that same sort of harmony, which is normal for a planet of like, yeah, there's predator and prey and there's all sorts of nonsense going on. Yeah, so they're flying over, they see like a bunch of big bird-looking boras, like winged things flying around. translucent birds. And then giant dark tentacles emerge from the forest and snap at them and pull them down into the forest. And she's like, yeah, you know, the rogue ones tend to eat other stuff for nutrients. We have no idea, even though we know a lot about the planet and we're all over it, we have settlements everywhere, we don't know where these things come from, where the, where the rogue ones. Sometimes we'll see them raid the non-rogue boras for nutrients and, and stuff. They'll tear well, they, branches off them. They'll raid the nurseries for yeah. seeds. They'll be like, oh, yeah, they'll just take the seed pods from the bora nurseries, and we assume they just make more rogue boras with those. Yeah, but we don't know where they're doing that. But it's, it's a whole thing, and we assume it's part of the ecosystem because it was like that when we got here, and o- Obi-Wan's like, oh, hey, Hand up. When was that exactly? What's going on there? And she's like, uh, okay, so my grandfather, and let's remember that that Pharaohans, which she is as well, live like three times longer than other humans. Yeah. There's a part where they mention that they've been here for 20 years, which is 60 of your Earth years or whatever, huh. or regular non-Pharaohan years. <laughs> Much larger, of course. Yeah. So she's like, my, my grandfather was like the first person to figure out how to do this stuff, and it was like that when he got here. And also mentions that like oh yeah the boras specifically taught him yeah like the grandfather wasn't just like oh i watched what was going on and figured out how to do it it was like he ingratiated himself to the natural life of the planet yeah so she's like oh yeah eventually the boras themselves were like we're gonna teach you how to shape and make things which is a wild thing to to say to someone if you're like oh yeah the trees then trusted my dad and told him how to make creatures they just gave him weird godlike powers like, yeah that's odd but that means all of the trees themselves are sentient as well so they have to be fine with everyone living in weird villages made out of them in them on them <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna bring this up real quick this uh, this episode is i think four or five chapters we're gonna do uh half of them are obi-wan and anakin and half of them are are 
Wraith Sinar and Key Dave. Yes. And I don't remember because the entirety of both are just them sitting around talking to each other. I don't remember the breakpoints. So rather than dealing with no, that. And it, I think technically the Sinar, we start with Sinar in these chapters, yeah. but whatever. I, I, we're just going to do the Obi-Wan Anakin stuff and then the Sinar and Key Dave stuff. Yeah. Because it's all just talking in vehicles. Yes. It is everyone just riding in cars with boys. Yeah. So, so she's like, yeah, my grandfather was the one who figured out how to like shape after the trees taught him how to be a shaper because the trees themselves or the boras themselves, some of them are shaper boras where they have like special appendages that they use to mold things. And he tried doing that and risked the anger of the boras, but eventually they accepted him and my grandmother and taught them how to shape. Now we already know that that can be very dangerous because of shaper or shopper, shopper far who is missing an arm and many of the fingers on his still remaining hand. Yep. Because he's he's fucked with the shapers and been punished for it. Yeah, he's like, oh, I tried to shape and didn't know what the fuck I was doing and just lost limbs from it. Yeah. Which I assume, part of me was like, oh, I assume that's straight body horror level shit where it's, oh, it got absorbed into whatever weird, like, yeah. primordial goo thing they make stuff out of when once it starts the process. Well, so. the, the reason it got to me was there's a point in this set of discussion, and like I said, I don't remember the order of any of this, where she says something about how the planet has become a cosmopolitan world where lots of people live, and Obi-Wan again goes, interesting, because I've only seen Pharaohans. Yeah, because she's like, oh yeah, my grandfather learned how to shape, and then his son, uh, my dad, went and like got a more Pharaohans, and then wanted to make it open to a lot of people. And so we got a bunch of other like pilgrims to the planet. He's like, huh, what happened to them? Yeah. And she's like, uh, once again, whirls angrily on him, but doesn't say anything. She will usually either just, Oh no, she says, no, she gives the answer here. She's like, yeah, you'll see a lot of them. They work in the shaping fields. They're all in the, the factory Valley essentially. Yeah. And we're going to learn more about that in the other half of the chapters. Uh, but Anyway, it, that to me strikes me as, oh, the ones that aren't for Rowan are largely the, the hardworking slave labor, like danger labor, given that the one person we know who fucked around with shaping has lost most of his appendages. I mean, even if we assume that shaping, like, isn't dangerous if you know what you're doing, and this was Shapa just fucking around, saying, oh yeah, all the pharaoh are the ones who get to live in middle distance and have a cool, fun time in the best little village where everything is taken care of. Oh, where's everyone who isn't Froin? They're in the factories and just straight up going, yeah, we have an entire valley of factories that's underground and that's where all of them are. Like, Even if it isn't like fully like industrial revolution sending a child into the mangler level, it's still like, oh, that's very fucked up of you. Yeah. Yeah, the other couple of times when she gets mad at Obi-Wan, there's one when we mentioned earlier that she says that her father knows all about Jedi already, and he goes, huh, why is that? Oh, why, do, why would he know that? And she just goes, oh, look, there's an exciting cave entrance. <laughs> hey, have you seen this weird bird? Yeah. It's see-through. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's basically giving them the, the, the rundown of what's about to happen and how the boras work and everything. Eventually, they come to a giant, they, they land the gondola in a river. And they go into the mouth of a giant cave. And now they're in kind of, some, like a giant root system that's hung with glowing lights everywhere. Yeah, they've got... They have to switch boats, I think, because there's a part where two dudes have to push their new boat out into the harbor. Yeah, they go... They basically take the gondola to a cave, take the cave down into the planet, and there's essentially like those string lights, but it's just plant roots because everything yeah. is natural. Yeah. So there are these little, like bioluminescent red uh, vines going along the side of these cave walls. Yeah. And then they hear in the distance an underground river. Which do you prefer, bioluminescent red vines or bioluminescent Twizzlers? Ooh, that's difficult. Yeah. Neither. They're disgusting. <laughs> Are you really a neither man when it comes to red vines and Twizzlers? Here's the thing. Yeah. I'm a freak, and I would rather than a red vine or a Twizzler have black licorice. Oh, you are. You are a super freak. <laughs> I am... Super freaky. That is un that gross, man. I'm the kind you gross. don't bring home to mother. <laughs> Does that mean you're going to be the person who purchases those good and plenties? No. Black licorice still isn't good. Oh, okay. But I'd rather have it than most red licorice. Okay. That's very fair. See, I like the red licorice because I like, I mean, I don't like any of this shit because I can't eat sugar. But that doesn't mean you don't like it. When I was a, when I was a child, in a younger phase of my life, 
Uh, I like the uh, red vines better or because they make better straws. Mm-hmm. And that's my strongest criteria. Is the only time I ever get neither of those things is in a movie theater. See, I feel like red vines were waxier inconsistency. They are harder inconsistency. Twizzlers are the softer ones, but I feel like they are the ones that are waxier. Mm, I, I would disagree. That's fair. That's okay. This digression is very important. It's really important that the people know what we think of Red Vines and Twizzlers. Okay, well, rather than than worrying about that, let's just get into it real quick. Uh, What is your ultimate movie theater snack? Like, given an unlimited budget, but you have to buy it from the movie theater. Oh, uh, I mean, obviously, popcorn's great. It's shareable. It's a fantastic thing to get that you're like, I can buy one big thing of this, Mm -hmm. and everyone is basically going to be able to have some. Okay. if we're not going with the standard of just popcorn or something in addition to that, yeah, almost always it's going to be, uh, if they have it, peanut butter M and M's. Ooh, very. That's 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 like the Cadillac of candies. Yeah. Uh, if they don't, I think the only time I ever eat Butterfinger is at a movie in those little Butterfinger boxes. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I'm like, I would never just buy a fucking Butterfinger bar. But for some reason, the boxes of Butterfingers is the ones that I would get. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So my go-to, I, I had to look up the name of it because I haven't been to a movie theater in fucking forever, is uh, the big, the biggest thing of popcorn you can buy. And then those, I think they're called snow caps. Yeah, the snow caps. Yeah, where they're like just chocolate covered in non-pareil or yeah. non-pareil. Um, and then you just pour those into the hottest popcorn they'll let you have because it'll melt all over them and make crunchy chocolate popcorn. Yeah. That's my favorite movie theater snack uh, right there. Um Obviously, I, I will never have it. Although popcorn is surprisingly okay, provided I avoid that motor oil fucking fake butter. Oh, thing. yeah. Yeah. I'm like, there's nothing okay about what they put on that popcorn. No, I have to get it straight out of the popper. And then I'll usually just, if I have to, I'm sneaking in a packet of some kind of seasoning for myself. Yeah. Put a little Mrs. Dash in there. A little Mrs. Dash. A little, a little Tony Sachery's. That, that, that fake cheese powder. I'll put some of that in there. And then I'll just straight up dump a packet of taco seasoning on top of that. <laughs> taco popcorn, baby. That taco corn. Yeah. Good shit. So anyway, let's get back to it. Anyway, so they're in a cave, and Anakin's like, ooh, I hear an underground river. And, you know, <laughs> Jabatha's like, how... That I'm, can't be right. <laughs> wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how astute of you. Yes, indeed. There is an underground river that we will get to, and they do eventually find a area where it is some, like, choppy water but where they're gonna get on is calm enough that you can put a boat Mm -hmm. and they are going to take this river even deeper into the planet so they are very deep underground and this is terrible for obi-wan who is like i fucking hate this yeah i'd rather be in space right now yeah he doesn't like being underground especially and also it's getting closer and closer to whatever the hell that force sense they're getting is the the sense that Anakin originally called some sort of singular, great, purposeful wave, but Obi-Wan is now describing as a meaningful and painful void. Yeah, he's just like, oh, there is a wave of something coming. A wave of babies. <laughs> there is indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, it's coming from off planet. I can tell that much. And it will be a test for us. We will be, uh, I don't know, put put to our limits or whatever the fuck. Yeah. So now I guess something, maybe whatever put all those big scratches on the planet is coming back. Maybe. Maybe it's the planet's giant unruly cat. <laughs> yep. That's but it. One, one thing's for certain. Obi-Wan, as he's that's looking That's Sonama's a cat. <laughs> How droll. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> as they're making their way down, Obi-Wan's big thought is, wow, that was a fucking like six hour gondola ride followed by this long ass boat ride. We could have been there in 20 minutes if they had taken one of the readily available airplanes they keep telling us about. It is very clear they don't want us to see the surface of this planet. And at that point, he asks why. And they get this, this story where they're like, yeah, um, she gets mad at him, obviously, but she's like, okay, so the planet is divided into one section and another. Uh, there is currently a disease ravaging the planet that we're worried about. And the southern hemisphere, very recently, within the last two or three months, died. Yeah, she's like, okay, you know how the bottom half of the planet is all clouds and storms? That is because the bottom half of the planet is dead. Yes. (laughs) Like, everything down there got some disease and died. And he's like, ooh, damn, that's gotta suck. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, thanks for bringing it up, basically. She just, it's it's great. We all live in a symbiotic relationship with the planet, and half of it died. Yeah. 
I think he also briefly asks why they're... He does ask, when do the spaceships start coming into all this equation? And she's like, my father built this first spaceship by shaping a ship around in a pre-existing engine that he already had. Yeah. And he's like, but why, though? Why are you building them and selling them? And she's like, uh, look at that neat cave entrance! Yeah, it's like, what are you... You have everything taken care of by this weird symbiotic relationship with the planet. You don't really need for anything. Why are you stockpiling billions of credits... Oh, because look at that neat thing I saw. Mm -hmm. Watch this cool dance. (laughs) That's a great question. Here's a t-shirt. That totally answered his question, says Anakin. (laughs) No further questions. I'd like a spaceship. Uh, So, so yeah, we we established that the bottom half of Zonama Sakat is dead. Apparently. I'm not sure if If, I believe it. Yeah, I'm like, if Jabatha is to be believed... (laughs) I can't be correct. <laughs> no. I don't think that's right. <laughs> Check that name again. Hold on. Let me let me get in here. Meanwhile, I think it's probably a pretty good time to move over to what's going on with Sinar and, and, and Key Dave. Yeah. So Sinar is preparing to go to the planet. You know, when last we had left, they had arrived mm-hmm. in the system for Zonama Seacoat. And now they are getting reports back. Uh, Key Dave did a little scouting mission. Yeah, he he apparently flew out there with one of the pilots provided by Tarkin's little fleet, and they did a reconnaissance mission. Yeah, just went and did a little little flyby, and he's like, I don't think anyone saw us. Nothing on our system said that we were being scanned, but he did get spooked by a couple of things, and he was like, I did do some flybys and take a look. Uh, they might have seen us, but I figure... There's nothing electronically scanning us. We seemed fine. Yeah, and the, Sinar is clearly more aware of this this whole situation, like the details of where he's going and everything, than he has previously been willing to let on. Because his first response is, excellent, yeah. Uh, from what I understand, the entire surface of that planet is deeply sensitive. Yeah, and that is the point where Key Dave's like, huh, weird, why do you, you know what? I'm, I'm not here to question you, uh-huh. but he's just like, I don't know why you know any of this shit. Which is good, because the one time he tries to ask Sinar a question, he just goes, yeah, you don't need to know that. <laughs> I'm not telling you shit. Yeah. You're Key Dave. <laughs> you don't need to know anything. You work for me, Axe Face. And so we get a few things that we already knew. Uh, Key Dave's like, yeah, I flew around. The bottom half is all clouds. Occasionally, some go up to the north and rain and do whatever. There's one big dead volcano that sticks up out of the clouds on the on the dead half. And... You can see the uh, the big gouges taken, and he's like, this is very clearly some sort of fight, because it's not just, like, Sinar even asks, he's like, oh, were these giant gouges, like, is that a mining operation? Are you sure? And he's like, oh, no, you can see, like, blast parts to it, fucked up fauna and flora all over the place. Like, it is very clearly something has gouged the planet surface. I really wanted fucking Sinar to respond with, yeah, but have you seen Star Wars mining in any of the variety of other books about that that have come up in the past? We'll just fucking build Death Stars and shoot them at planets for fun. And we'll be like, yay, we found some aluminum. <laughs> oh boy. I I created a giant monster that mines for me and it eats a planet and poops out the minerals. I feed 200 slaves a day to a big spider and it gives me some drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars is... Known for having the dumbest, shittiest mining operations. <laughs> yeah. But Key Dave's like, no, that definitely was some sort of, like, weapons system. And he says, like, oh, you can see a few on the north, but it obviously happened all over the planet because when you look at the cloud cover on the southern hemisphere, you can see dips in the cloud there where they go lower to the surface where you can tell, oh, there's also gouges in certain areas down here, and the clouds have dipped down yeah. because of the like filling in that area. Yeah, and he's like, he also points out that he saw at least fifteen of these things. Yeah, whatever happened here was a large event. It wasn't just like, oh, someone shot something at the planet once. Yeah, and then uh, Sinar's like, great, great, excellent. Sinar's being very weird throughout this whole conversation. He keeps seeming like he's bored or like he's being weird about it. Well, Sinar doubles down on the big brat energy in this chapter because his entire conversation with key dave he is 
constantly on the verge of causing Key Dave to murder him. Uh-huh. And he is always like, oh, I love that. I'm getting a little reaction out of him. Ooh, I'm Ooh. happy when he's mad. Ooh, he, he wants to hit me, but he can't. And I love that. I love that energy. And I'm like, God damn it, Sinar. You, you're not me? even fucking this guy. <laughs> you just can't help yourself. Oh, there's different kinds of fucking. <laughs> I mean, he's not fucking him, but he's definitely getting off on it. <laughs> I mean, it goes on beyond that. After this conversation, the next scene we see Sinar in, he is in his quarters on his bed, lying stomach down, knees bent, legs in the air, kicking his toes. <laughs> and singing into a hairbrush. plotting some some machination or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, he is in a babysitter club pose right now. That is, that is the thing. I love every time we cut back to sign art i'm like god damn it my man oh <laughs> but and- yeah he basically keeps being like uh-huh sure when, when being told things it's i'm assuming it's supposed to be as we establish as we make our way through the two or three chapters about him that we read this week it's that most of the shit that key dave is telling him he already knew yeah this is much more of a scouting to see if anything new has happened yes and when he's getting the information, he's like, all right, that's good. That's good to know. Great. Obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. Love that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You don't need to know that. Ooh, you look mad. <laughs> oh, why are you so angry? <laughs> I didn't say anything. Count to 10. Ooh, keep it together. <laughs> I can't believe I push your button so hard. Wow. <laughs> You're so easy. You must be a fire sign. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, an Aries? <laughs> I really want Key Dave to be like, I'm a Sagittarius bitch. <laughs> and I will kill that you. That shit's fake. <laughs> I am a Capricorn and I hate you. <laughs> well, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so, yes. Key Dave is like, all right, so this is essentially what's happening. I don't know what you plan to do. And then Sinar is like, well, I have an idea of being able to go down to the planet and get a ship and, you know, get the shit that we need. And I'm going to send you. You come from a well-off family, right? And this is what almost gets Key Dave to fucking murder him. Yeah, because he calls him, you're from a rich family. And Key Dave, his weird nostrils, that the only way we know anything important about Key Dave, because otherwise he is stock still statue monster, uh, his, when he when he thinks or feels anything, it's all nostril stuff. Yeah. So his weird nostrils flare out, and he's like, "We're from a respectable, we are an influential family, family <laughs> not a wealthy family." And and uh, you know, basically trying to rub some salt in it. Sinar's like, "Yeah, yeah, I know your species has like a religious pathological obsession to being even seen as slightly wealthy. Whatever. Yeah, it's just oh yes, it's a big sin if you hoard wealth. Mm-hmm. That's that's a thing. I know." What I'm trying to say is you're well-known and connected enough that if you show up with the six billion credits that I'm going to give you, it's not going to be weird to the people on the planet Mm -hmm. if they do a background check. Yeah. And also, I trust you as my agent because you're so good at this. And that's when Key Dave is like, ugh. He doesn't know this, but among blood carvers, the fastest way to get someone into a duel is to insult them, and the other fastest way is to compliment them. Yes. He's just like, oh, either way is the path to having a duel, which I'm like, man, that's got to suck to be in that society where you're just like, that is a work you have done. Indeed it is. (laughs) It's fucking Klingon shit. It's fine. It's just that he's like... To, he is to blood carvers what Worf is to Klingons, the only one that has ever taken it seriously. Yeah, all the other <laughs> blood carvers down there are like, hey, good job, man. Oh, hey, thanks. Thank you. And then he's like, no, clearly you are about to fight, for you should never compliment someone unless that is the road to a duel. And they're oh, like, chill, man. We pull that shit out when there's humans around. Fucking Christ, dude. <laughs> we do that stuff for tourists. Stow it. <laughs> Because that's any time you get like three or four non-Worf Klingons in the room, they're always like, yes, it's truly honorable to be honorable. But instead, let's look at porno and drink beer. (laughs) I want to get fucked up and play sports. And he's like, that would not be honorable. Oh, shove it up your ass, Worf. Who gives a shit? I'm going to have sex with a Ferengi. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Worf, you want to play through? (laughs) This is disgusting. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) 
It's the Grand Nagus. Of course it's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And his uh, his big attendant <laughs> guy watches. <laughs> I always forget that guy's name. I just know he's played by like Tiny Ron or whatever. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but I'm like, yeah, that guy watches. Obviously. <laughs> he watches everything the Grand Nagus does. Yeah. Yeah, and it's got to be the original Grand Nagus. It can't be like Rom during the last season. No, yeah. boo. Yeah, boo to that. <laughs> okay. Uh, but so, yes, he is like, all right. <laughs> I'm into this. Fetal snuff before we get started. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> I won't go again. We're good. Uh-huh. Yeah, Are you yeah, sure? I'm, I'm done. Okay. I've, I've worked it all out of my system. Uh-huh. Have you worked it out? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. The Grand Nagus sure did. <laughs> god damn it all right yes he is like here's my plan uh you're influential enough in your family that at least i can send you down there and be like hey you want to get a ship Mm -hmm. here's six billion dollars and even key dave who's like i completely disregard the concept of wealth is like shit man that's a lot of money yeah he has to do this like special breathing exercise for his species or something where like he has to acknowledge that that is a lot of money without being impressed about it. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to send you down there and it'll be fine. I know what we're doing because we find out Sinar has way more information than he let Tarkin know. And he loves not letting Tarkin know all the information. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He gets off on a little bit of withholding. Yeah. And it turns out that we learn in this chapter over the course of him kind of doing a lot of monologuing to himself that he didn't buy his ship. He has a a, a, a Seacott ship, uh, as we established earlier on, that is basically just a moldering ruined Hulk. But it was not like that when he bought it. He bought it way earlier than he let Tarkin on with the information. I mean, it was still fucked up and it was dying, but it was better. And he knows way more about it and how it operates than, than he's let anyone know previously. Yeah. Because when he got it, the pilot was still alive. Yes. He had told Tarkin like, oh yeah, I got this. And the pilot was dead in there from whatever fight they were in. But no, it got stolen by pirates because this guy managed to was like a spice dealer that made it big randomly yeah i couldn't tell if his species was like gen Saring or whatever it was or I if think he was trading in gen Saring drugs or his name was gen Saring. could it be any one of those but he was a spice trader and managed to make it big in a gambling thing against a rich rodian which sounded fucking ridiculous they, they, he was playing like the Zoom description ball of on the Serpine. game it was just like ah oh, yeah and then a ball went down a thing and it, a snake ate it and then gave a prediction about the emperor and it displeased everyone so they killed the rodian and i'm like what fucking game is that who's like i want to gamble i know I'll feed a ball to a snake and hope it tells the future that everyone likes. Yeah, he has to go to like, he has one of those like marble madness things that you you know build out of various parts yeah. and drop a marble down. Yeah, he gets and a he, Plinko machine yeah. into an oracle snake. And he has to like drop a ruby, like a special magic ruby in it that if a snake eats it, it'll tell you your future. But his future was an insult to the emperor of that planet that he was on. Yeah. And so royal guards instantly diced him to pieces and gave all of his worldly possessions, not just the ones he was betting, to the other person sitting at the gambling table, because I guess that's the custom. I I mean, to me, I was like, oh, the game is, you take your weird fucking Plinko machine, you drop the future ruby into it, the occult snake eats it, and then tells you your future, and if it sucks, you die and the other person gets all your shit. Yeah. But if it's great... I guess the other person dies and you get their shit? So here's a good question for you, John. How do you avoid this fate? If you're going to be playing dropping a June ball into a, a future snakes. I mean, you're, I assume what's, what's the best trick? bet is to go second. Cause, mm, yeah, that's, that's definitely part. Because if both of your futures suck, then the first one to go is going to get got. I think the actual solution here is to not drop in whatever that magic ruby thing is and put like a Cadbury cream egg or something in there. So all the snakes going to predict is, hmm, thanks, man. <laughs> that was delicious. And you cheated. And, and then like, you die. Thumbs up. <laughs> No, he's cool, because he just wants you to do it again. So no, man, like, he's like, oh, look. I predict you've got some of the mini ones, too, with that good shell. <laughs> I predict you don't have the caramel ones, the only good ones. No way, the regular ones. Oh, uh, regular Cadbury cream eggs suck. <laughs> that fucking shitty, grainy frosting in there. That just means you've had bad ones. No, they're terrible. I, I Whatever. I'm not going to go to bat for anything with sugar in it ever again. So you're right, they're gross. <laughs> hey, man. 
again, just because you can't have it doesn't mean it ain't good. The no, fact that it, it sucks that's, means it's not good. That's <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand what I need to do in order to maintain the the uh, semblance of weight loss I'm putting on, which is which is not just disavow, but disavow all previous knowledge. I need I need to let my mind be eaten by the worms. <laughs> And then they'll tell my future, and then I'll win a ruby. Hooray! So yeah, this uh, other dude, the Jen Saring spice trader or alien or whatever, or maybe his name was Jen Saring, uh, ends up with the all the shit that belonged to the Rodian, including, I assume, because the, the Rodian was like a, a well-to-do spice uh, smuggler from a long line of them, which is why he was rich enough to get this ship. Or was yeah. it that the Jen Saring got super rich and then bought the ship for himself? Yes. That's it's, what it was. He, he was an up-and-coming spice smuggler, but then this one weird fucking gambling oh, trick that's right. he also made won him the robot. super rich. Yeah. And the thing that the Rodian had, in addition to a shit ton of money, was a little astromech that knew about Zanama Seacoat. And apparently the planet has, like, specific vetted people that they send that are allowed to bring people to buy things. Mm -hmm. So, like... Our good friend, the weird worm, is one of them. And yep. this astromech is another one who's like, oh, you're allowed to vet people and see if they are capable of coming to our planet to get a ship. Yeah. And I assume the astromechs are like, they build them and send them out. They're like, hey, go find a rich guy. And he's described as a weird diminutive astromech droid. Or not astromech, a protocol droid. Oh, it's a protocol droid. So he's like yeah. a tiny 3PO. We aren't, we aren't sure. Maybe he's like an Ugnaught size one. We don't know. We get no description. But... The Gensering uses it to go get the ship, and most importantly of all from all this story, that protocol droid is now in the possession of uh, of Wraith Sinar. Yeah. And he so still has it. He got that from that, and the protocol droid told him, essentially, about the planet, which is why Wraith knows about Zonama Seacoat at mm -hmm. all. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to have the droid fly you in this extra ship I brought with me. Check it out. I brought this ship. It's one of my own design. I, I, I fucking forced Tarkin to let me have it. He thought I was just being a dumb fop for wanting to bring one of my own ships along on this super powerful battleship or whatever. But I had my reasons. I wanted a boy toy ship to come with me so that when you land on the planet and buy a ship, you look like a rich billionaire. Yeah, because he's like, this is not a mass produced ship. This is not on any of the records, which means I didn't have to have like it's transponder codes known to anyone. It's a very singular ship, which anytime you see something like that means you had enough money to have something custom built. Yep. This is the greatest cover story I could give you. Also, I love that the the droid needs to give you like a little witch Disney princess uh like personality test mm -hmm. before you are allowed to go. Yeah. Because it's like Oh, would you be compatible with the seed balls or whatever? I need to let you take this BuzzFeed quiz to find out. If you see another blood carver attempting to steal from Target, <laughs> will you inform a manager about the blood carver stealing from Target? Very likely, somewhat likely. Not being hired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a question. You are on Zonamacy Coat. There is a turtle and it is walking and it is fallen on its back. It cannot get up, and it is baking in the sun. You do not help it up. Why? Well, you wouldn't have to. It would be feeding from the part of its lamina that attaches to the surface on its back. Very good. You have correctly answered. Hell yeah. <laughs> now give me six billion dollars. <laughs> so, basically, this whole conversation takes place with uh, Key Dave spending the whole time being like, I'm going to kill this guy. He knows I'm going to kill him, and he doesn't care anyway. And meanwhile, we occasionally check in with Sinar, who's like, this guy's so mad at me. He's going to fucking kill me, and I'm I love it. I'm such a rush out of this. <laughs> Every time I fuck with this guy, I'm like, hee <laughs> 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 uh, But yeah, he's going to send Key Dave down to the planet as his fake rich billionaire, because he can't trust anyone else. Eventually, while he's lying stomach down and toes a-wiggling in the sky on his bed, just looking at pictures of Corey's in a magazine. He gets a call from a boy. It's Captain Ket. <laughs> and Captain Ket's like, sir, uh, none of the shit you're doing or brought with you was on the, a list of approved shit that Tarkin gave us. And he's like, I know. And I'm just saying, you, you know, I was a really good uh, captain in the fleet. That's about, I'm about to be turned over to the New Republic, and I really want my record to be good as I transfer through and be able to continue my captaincy in a good standing. Yeah, I want I want the the honor that I brought to this ship beforehand to continue through. Uh, I don't want to I don't want anything to be fucked up. And he's and like, I don't care. Bye. Also, he has an entire inner, mo inner yeah. monologue of. 
No, dude, you committed fucking war crimes. Fuck you, honorable, honorable. shit. Were you honorable when you were parked out over fucking Naboo, starving everybody on the planet because they weren't paying your extortion credit rates? Yeah, he was just like, dude, you've gone to planets and forced people into fucking labor camps. You're awful. Don't you tell me about honor. And then, of course, he immediately at least has enough like self-awareness to go, not that I'm any better. Like, I I understand I'm a bad guy, I'm too. I'm a monster. I suck. I also don't have honor, but at least I am aware of it. Yeah, his whole deal is, he's basically pulling the 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 bad guy from Serenity move, where he's like, I'm a, I, I don't get to go to the fancy new world. Yeah. I'm a monster. <laughs> I am terrible, but I'm doing this for a reason. Whereas he is just like, oh, my reason is, I am horny for power. Yes. The only thing that gets me up in the morning is, is the idea that I might get one over on someone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This dude's getting better and better by the second. I just, I fucking love Wraith Sinar. Wraith Sinar's entire inner monologue of like, ooh, the idea that I could do this and then pull one over on Tarkin and show up with a cool ship and he wouldn't have anything and I would have done it all on my own. And then all of his contacts will be like, ooh, Wraith Sinar, you're so muscly. And then everyone will be like, I want to buy ships from that guy. And then I'll design a ship and it'll be so fast and so good and everyone will love me. And then I'll have a boner. <laughs> I mean, another one. <laughs> I'll have two boners. <laughs> Two boners in every pot. <laughs> that's my promise to you. Uh-huh. So that's what's going on with him. Yeah. He, he's sending them down. Basically, Ket calls after they send the robot and uh, and Key Dave down to the planet. He's like, I just saw you send off your blood carver to the planet. With, I, a, droid I, with a droid that isn't one of ours. Yeah. The, Sinar, uh, one last thing we should mention about Sinar. He does also have a, an inner monologue about how the, the only droids he likes on this fucking ship, which are the spaceship ones. You remember those droid ships that can like fold their leg, their wings down oh, yeah. and turn they, them into leggies? They have transformer yeah. drop ships, essentially. Yeah, they're, they're normal. They were in New or uh, fucking Phantom Menace, so we know about them. But they're the only ones he likes. He's like, these are kind of cool because they're well designed and they they pack well into a thing and they're very destructive. Yeah, you I, can I, just I'm into these. Basically, have a drop ship that once it disgorges all of the shit in there, can they just stomp around and fucking Gatling gun everything around here? Yeah, so these things are cool. I'm, I'm down with them. I'm having them loaded in case we have to go into battle, but I don't really want to. I'm really hoping not to go into battle because I, you look down at that planet and something managed to carve a bunch of thousand kilometer long gouges into it, and it won. Yeah, the planet won. You don't see a trace of whatever the fuck did that thing, which means... I would like to not fuck with the planet if at all possible. Yeah. Um, the other thing, there's another one last postscript we should throw in here. That one of the things that Key Dave describes seeing on the planet is what he calls the factory canyon. Yes. Uh, we That's where Obi-Wan and Anakin are going. Yeah. But he describes it from the air and he's like, yeah, it's a thousand kilometers long. It's about three kilometers deep. It is covered from end to end with giant boras that are like manipulator arms. And they're building stuff. They're building like giant pieces of ships or something. They're not building individual ships. Well, yeah, he's like, they're building basically everything down there. Yeah. Like, all of the stuff that gets manufactured for the planet is done there. And then about halfway through the process of our observations of watching it, all of a sudden, all of the arms sort of raised and blocked the entire canyon. Well, it's... It's, he went to, oh, they, they ship it out, but it's not just like we put it on spaceships. It's they have a like river, a river yeah. ship. And as soon as I went to go like fly by and look at the actual like shipping boats they have, the bore is just covered over the shipping lanes so I couldn't see. And that's when I went, they might know I'm here and I'm getting out. Yeah, that's when I left. And and yeah, it's just one last thing to mention that the fa the factory system is not just building spaceships for rich billionaires. But one of the things Sinar is thinking about when he learns about the factory is, you know, he, he has the conversation that we already had in his in his head where he's like, these guys are like rich beyond measure and they have no want for anything because they live on a planet that caters to their every need automatically and for some reason they are in desperate need of fast credits enough that they're willing to skip the military market because they want to maintain some semblance of privacy and instead just said to sell to bored billionaires yeah he's like oh they're only selling to like spoiled rich kids essentially because it's the only way they know that they will be able to maintain an amount of secrecy in it rather than trying to mass produce something. So what the fuck do they need billions and billions of credits for? That's going to be the thing we have to solve here. Yeah. Also, Signer's like, God, I wish I could just take that fucking factory canyon and put it on a useful planet. I want them to make my ships. I want a bean feast. <laughs>
Uh, so there you go. That's what's up in these two chapters. Yep. Or two, five, cha- four chapters, whatever. These two, five chapters. These, these two to five chapters. I think it was four. So, uh, you know, as always, if you want to hear yet more Star Wars stuff, and who wouldn't, all you have to do is head over to our Patreon and support us there. That's patreon.com slash systemmastery, where if you were to pledge at the $4 level, you'd receive Expanded Expounded Universe, our other show where we make uh, or review weird shit we find on Wikipedia to tell to each other and to you. That's right. We find all the weird stories and ephemera from across all the various versions of Star Wars media that there are. Uh-huh. And, man, some decisions were made in various things. You know, like naming someone Jabatha. <laughs> that can't be right. Wait, hold on. <laughs> well, Wikipedia, you've got to be wrong here. Wikipedia is going to have a correction. Her name's not Jabatha. That that's too dumb. <laughs> Could not find source. Besides, she went to become a Sith and became Darth Abatha. <laughs> oh, Darth Abba. Oh man, her core is fucking ripped. Uh, so so you know that's over at Patreon.com/slash/SystemMastery. At the four dollar level, you'll also unlock the two dollar level benefit of the bonus content for our System Mastery show, as well as ad free versions of all of our shows and. A nice RSS feed that packages all of our work into a single, easy, one RSS feed that contains all the stuff that you have purchased access to right where you need it. It's a good deal. Why not go check it out? Great. All right. Do it. So I hope you do that. And, you know, until you do or don't, I've been Elan Sleaze Bagano. That can't be right. (laughs) 